Today, we're talking into the Spider-Verse, and we're taking a quick trip out of the MCU into the DC Extended Universe, I think is what they call it. And we're going to talk a little bit about Aquaman. So stay tuned, listeners. This is Marvel Therapy Group. Dreaming about teaming up with a superhero? Heartbroken about the latest comic death? Do you find your conversations always turning to Marvel? Then welcome Marvelites to your therapy session. Join your hosts as we explore the realms of the Marvel Universe, taking you into new insights, movie reviews, and debates. Here, we won't try to cure any obsessions, but fuel them because the world is better nerdy. Welcome to your Marvel Therapy Group. Welcome, guys, to another episode of Marvel Therapy Group. I'm Joe. I'm Jack. Haley's on an excursion with S.H.I.E.L.D. And that dog you hear barking in the background is my dog. Her name is Winnie. <laughs> She's cute, but, you know. Also, Haley's just snowed in and can't get out. Is that, she or is she, like, stuck in the... The tundra. The tundra. Stuck in the... The helicarrier wouldn't start. What do we start. always say she is? She's in the, uh, she's in the astral plane. Astral plane. I don't know why I couldn't think of that. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's been a few weeks... And we are going to talk about Into the Spider- or Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Because it was a good movie. Yeah, this was a really good movie. Yeah, and look at us. It's a minute in and we're getting, we're actually getting to the point. We're getting to the topic of the this episode now. This is good now. for us. It is good. Progress. Yeah. So Into the Spider-Verse has been out for like six weeks. Something like that. It's been, a, or longer than that. But actually like two months came out mid-December, early yeah. December. Yeah, so it's been out for a while. So we're going to do a full spoiler review. All right, so first off, Joe, just overall impressions from that film. I didn't think that I was going to like this film. I mean, it was a, like, I wasn't sold in the animation style because it was so different. It wasn't really, not that it was bad, but it just wasn't my kind of thing that I'd go see. But, so I, I also went in with, like, no expectations because it was Sony. And... It was really good. I didn't know how they would be able to portray all the different universes and all these different characters because that's an issue a lot of superhero movies have is they throw all these villains in or all these characters with no background and try to like squish all these stories into one movie and it doesn't it doesn't play out well. But this movie actually did it and they they did it in a creative way too where the style actually helped them in that it was a comic book movie. So when a new character came in, it was like, all right, here's the, here's my background. And they'd like flip through pages almost and give a short introduction to this character. And then he realized, oh, okay, all caught up. Let's continue with the movie. So it was good. And then it actually had a really good message. Yeah. Well, I was kind of the opposite from you. So this movie wasn't on my radar for the longest time, but then the first trailer dropped and... Everything after that, I just got I just got more and more excited for this movie. Like, I thought the animation looked really cool. I thought it was cool how they were making it look like it was just right off a comic book. Like, the animation was like comic book panels come to life. Um, I was really excited by the voice cast. I was really excited when I just kept announcing who was going to be voicing people. Like, Jake Johnson. I'm, I, I like I like him on New Girl. I like Nick Miller. Can't think Mahersha Ali. Mahershala Ali. Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. Uh, John Mulaney as Spider-Ham. And yeah, I just thought every trailer looked really good. Everything I was hearing about this movie sounded like it was something special. And yeah, I went in with pretty high expectations and I was just, I was blown away by this movie. Haley Steinfeld, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's been in a lot recently. 
if this wasn't the year that Infinity War came out, I would say this was the this would have been my number one Marvel movie of the whole year. Well, I put the lists up on Instagram. Not that I remember what the lists were yeah, right it was, now. It was number two for <laughs> me. Mine, I don't remember. Yeah. Um, well, it yeah. was up there. You were talking about how it's tough for a lot of these movies to balance all their characters. That's this. It, it was almost like this movie was like just going right up to all those other movies and being like, look, this is easy. Look at how easy it is. Well, it worked for them because, like I said, it, they formatted the movie in a way that they could do that. But in a regular, in like a live action movie, you can't be like, okay, let's pause the mo- the movie, let's pause the entire plot, we'll give you some background on this character, now we're going to continue. But it worked for this movie. And it was really funny. I was laughing out loud at a lot of moments in this movie. Yeah, you know what's weird? They even got rid of a character? They even killed some, they killed the main character off. And then, well, not really the main Who character, but... About? Spider-Man! Oh, if he wasn't the main character, though. Peter Parker? You go see a Spider-Man movie, you think of Peter Parker, even though you knew it was Miles Morales. Mar- My, Miles Morales. Morales, yeah. You you knew that that's what the movie centered around, but... Well, yeah, but by that point, they had just already set up it's his movie. But you didn't expect Peter Parker to die in the first, like, 10, 20 minutes. I know, that wasn't... That, um, I don't know, it worked so well, though, because suddenly now Miles has this, like, big responsibility he has to live up to. He has this big... You know, he has this big person who, like, believed in him who died, and now it's kind of up to him to stop this big threat. And I, don't, I loved that. Yeah, no, it did work really well. And then we got probably my favorite version of Spider-Man ever put to screen. With the, the like, the, uh, the aged, overweight, just sort of, like, down-on-his-luck Peter Parker who gets stuck in this universe. Yeah, that was good. I loved that. And I loved, their, I loved his relationship with Miles, because it wasn't like... It's he... <laughs> He, Miles is looking for somebody who can teach him how to be Spider-Man, and this is the very last Spider-Man who should be teaching him anything. I like this new trend where the Spider-Men are already adapted to being Spider-Man, like the PS4 game and now this one where they've been Spider-Man for years. Except for, um, I guess even in the MCU, Tom Holland's Spider-Man has been Spider-Man for a little bit, because we didn't, in his first movie, we didn't get the, the introduction, the, like, the origin story. This was honestly probably the year I became a bigger Spider-Man fan than I was before because, like, I, I don't know, I've never found a comic book run of Spider-Man that I've really gotten into, and I've always felt like media around Spider-Man, it's always kind of the same thing. It's like, he's always in high school, he's always meeting the villains for the first time, and it's like, it just gets old after a while, but then, yeah, this year they had, uh, he had a really good role in Infinity War, his video game was amazing, like, that was the best Spider-Man story I think I've ever played, read, or saw. And yet, then this movie comes along and it just shows me a Spider-Man that I didn't realize I wanted to see. And yeah, I have a whole new respect for the character now. Yeah, and a lot of different, a lot of characters, sorry, I guess a lot of the same characters that I didn't know I wanted to see. Like Penny Parker. I'd never heard of that character. I loved her. I was so sad <laughs> when her robot died. I was crying a little bit. Well, I was a little confused in the whole thing because the robot died, but... Then she got it back, but isn't the spirit of her, like, dead cat inside of it or something? The spider. <laughs> what? No, she took the spider out, remember? What spider? It's like the suit was powered by, like, a genetically engineered spider that she has, like, a mental connection with. 
and like the robot died, but she took the like there was a little compartment that opened up and it had the spider, so she took the spider and put and it. She went back into his into her universe. She took she took the spirit of this genetically engineered spider. No, it was like a real spider. Oh, it was a real spider. Yeah, she took it back, and there's like a scene of her building a new robot to put the spider in. Okay. But then she can also do this weird anime move where she jumps up ridiculously high and then gets absorbed into the machine. I loved that that's like all the characters, like the animation style was different for all their universes. Yeah. Like the, the three main ones had about the same animation style, but then uh, Spider-Ham was like Looney Tunes style, like over the top comedy. Spider-Man Noir was black. <laughs> that was one of my favorite little things was uh, Spider-Man Noir not understanding what a... Um, was it a Rubik's Cube? Rubik's Cube, yeah. I was like, Puzzle Cube. No, it's not it. Well, yeah, you can't see the colors. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, this is red. And Spider-Ham's like, no. <laughs> this is red. No. Oh, that was a good scene where they're all at Aunt May's house. And then all the villains come to Aunt May's house. Yeah, the villains were really, really well used, too. Like, they actually gave Kingpin a pretty, like, believable motivation for wanting to, to, wanting to destroy this universe to get access to parallel universes. That's another big trend that Marvel's doing is the relatable villains, which I'm all about. Magneto. And I mean, that's like a hard act to follow is when you're going to use Kingpin again after you had pretty much the universally beloved interpretation from Vincent D'Onofrio. But yeah, this was a really good use of Kingpin, too. Kingpin did a lot in 2018. He was he got, right. He was the first villain in the PS4 game. He was the the villain of season three of Daredevil, um, so live action. And then he was in Into the Spider Verse. Um, oh, and then in the comics, he became mayor of New York City, I think. Yeah. And then, like, advocated for superheroes. He got his ass kicked a lot this year. Oh, well, I'm not. I'm not as well versed in the comics kingpin <laughs> realm, but. I know he's up to stuff. No, oh, that that rascal. I like, yeah, for the villains, it was, it was an interesting twist on the classic villains. Like, Doc Ock was his wife. Like, instead of his wife dying in an accident, I'm guessing Octavius died, and then she became Doc Ock. I think it's supposed to be based off, like, the Ultimate Universe comics, where it's, like, all the villains were kind of, like, updated a little bit and had, right. sort of, like, different origin stories. Yeah. I liked how... you didn't. I didn't see it coming, anyway. Because, again, I'm not as familiar with, you know, like, a female Doc Ock. And then suddenly it was revealed that she has the, the four tentacles. It was cool how she almost flew. She had She had no cares, because she, like, mentally controls these ridiculously strong... Tentacles. That, that was a cool use of her powers. I liked that. Yeah, and even at the end when she's trying to stop Spider-Man from putting the flash drive or the goober into the to stop the the universe dismantling black hole thing. Um, yeah, she was climbing on the ceiling, but she was just she was still upright, like she was just flying basically. And it's it's a good the movie just had a really good message. You know, it made you feel good. It had a good message that anybody can be a hero. You know. I feel like Stanley would have been proud. Speaking of Stanley, I that was that was an amazing cameo. Oh, I forgot was, about the cameo. It was, it was just like like I know he's gonna make more cameos posthumously, but posthumously. Posthumously, <laughs> but um, uh, if that had been his final cameo, I would have been a hundred percent okay with that. That was so sad. He said just the perfect thing. It's like when Miles is like, um, yeah, is it gonna fit? And he's like, it doesn't fit at first. Yeah, I can't remember what he says, but then he's like, um, 
It was the message. She yeah. was like, "It's something like, oh, he's like, I'm really gonna miss him, you know." Yeah, yeah. And you're just sitting in the audience, like, "I'm gonna miss you too, Stan." I know. And he still it was still it was a funny scene too. Like Miles is like, "Can I return it?" And he's like, "You don't need to return a kid." And you see the sign above it, like, "Absolutely no returns ever." <laughs> that's just a, that's such a Stanley comedy move. Good for him. But yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm I was very happy this movie was a bigger hit than I think people were expecting. Oh, yeah, it was. It, it felt like it had a real big impact when it came out. Especially for the advertising. I don't think it was advertised well, but people still found out about it. I think it still topped the box office its first week, which was a big deal, because it came out in that stra- in that period where, like, movie after movie was coming out. Yeah, but also it's a superhero movie. Once one comes out, the next weekend there's a new one, people are going to go see that one. So, of course, it's going to top a box office. It's a superhero movie. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, like, so when, it's, it's like when they're like, Aquaman's impressive. the number one movie in the world. Well... What was it competing with at the time? It, was, it, had, it had some competition. Mm. And Bumblebee was that. There was a bunch of movies that came out just like in a row, back to back to back. Wait, Bumblebee's out? Yeah. I thought that was coming out like September. No, it's been out for like I mean, couple... February. <laughs> <laughs> it also would have been out if it came out in September. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> the stuff we find out on this podcast, huh, Joe? Yeah. So, yeah final thoughts on uh, Into the Spider-Verse? Oh, you know what I heard? So you know how Childish Gambino was doing this, um, or no, he wanted to, well, Donald Glover wanted to be Mm Spider-Man at one point, which didn't happen. But I don't know if this is intended, but the scene where Miles Morales is, he's um, on the brick wall outside of his dorm room, and he's like, the pigeons are all over him. Well, he's in gray sweatpants, and his shirt comes off, and he looks like he's dancing the same style that Childish Gambino's dancing in the This Is America video. Oh, oh, I didn't notice that. Right, so I don't know if that's intended, but that's something that I heard. It's possible. It's That's a really good, uh, I guess you'd call it an Easter egg. Oh, oh well, when we're just on final thoughts, my favorite Easter egg was that um, the guy who voiced the, the Spider-Man from Miles' universe, the one who died, was, uh, was Chris Pine. So Marvel got oh, Marvel. Okay. Marvel now has all four Chris's. Oh, <laughs> all four the, the four Hollywood Chris's. Well, is it really Marvel? It's just an association with Marvel. Eh, Joe, come on, give him a break. I mean, these people actually cared. They produced a say. good Marvel movie under Sony. They deserve all the credit. You're just so stubborn about this. I forgot what I was gonna say. Oh, I thought you were just. Oh, Aunt May. Aunt May knew about Spider Man. Not only Spider Man, but like a dozen other Spider Men. That was refreshing. That was a good scene. That was a good. That was a good interpretation of Aunt May. Yeah, yeah. I'm excited for Far From Home to see how that relationship plays out. It seems good because Spider-Man's in the trailer. Spider-Man's giving a, a speech and then he goes backstage and high fives Aunt May. I guess she's cool with it. Fun fact: Magneto rules in the Ultimate Universe, and it's amazing. That is a fun fact. Just to throw that out there. Like, he extends his powers so much that he can control water because of the electromagnetic attractions between the bonds that hold water together. Well, speaking of water, water was a big theme of the other movie that came out in December. Oh, yeah. From our, from our good friends over at DC. Look at me connecting Magneto to Aquaman. Yeah. And that's what we call in the business a segue to talking about Aquaman. That's what I call me just endlessly talking about Magneto, because what else do I do on this podcast? <laughs> anyway, 
Aquaman. Also a good movie. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's a good movie. And the reason we're talking about it here is because it was a good movie. It was kind of original, but there were so many themes that seemed like they were taken straight out of a Marvel movie. The scene where they're showing the trident being made straight out of Thor. Like, it's his Mjolnir. Like, there's these mystical things that are forging it. And forging this this weapon that only a certain person can wield, you know, straight out of Thor. I know this was said before Aquaman was released, but it's a reverse Black Panther, <laughs> where um, it would be Black Panther if it was underwater, if T'Challa was evil and Killmonger was the good guy. Yeah. Oh, you know what the best part about uh. I don't remember his name, but, like, the guy that become trying to become the Ocean Master. The best part about that... That, that... that was his name. No, he was becoming the Ocean Master. No, but he, he is Ocean Master. Well, he did become the Ocean Master. Orn. Okay. The best part of that movie was when he threw all the pollution back up on land and made the humans deal with it. I was like, yes! Good. Because <laughs> it's so sad how much pollution gets into the oceans of course you'd see that and you would just be like hell yeah yeah like good make us get our acts together force us to go to re- uh eco-friendly alternatives hemp plastics seaweed plastics you know bioplastics it's a thing biofuels yeah man <laughs> let's bring it back this is a marvel podcast not a plastics podcast plastic is a big deal uh, I don't know. What did I notice that was similar? I thought, um, thinking about it, I thought the way they cast a movie was really similar to how they would cast a Marvel movie. Like, you, you, like you have, your main characters aren't really big names. Like, they're actors people kind of, the people kind of know, but, uh, I mean, I guess Jason Momoa's name would kind of, kind of has some, uh, has some star credit, but I mean, the other actors, it's kind of, it's kind of similar to how they would cast a Marvel movie. So, like, the main characters are kind of actors who are up and coming and just need their, their one big break. That's interesting, and yeah. Then, but then you have, like, these sort of, like, the, then you have, like, the, the veteran actors who show up to play sort of, like, the, um, the mentor figures, like, um, William Defoe right. and, uh, yep. Nicole Kidman. Y- yes. Although I was glad that Nicole Kidman came back in the movie. Not <laughs> spoilers. Um... Because she was in there for the first scene, and then she seemingly died. I was like, no, a big part of the reason I came to see this movie was because of Nicole Kidman. And then she just dies, but then she came back, and it was okay. She actually had a, a bigger role than I thought. It definitely, this was definitely DC trying to make a fun movie. Mm-hmm. Taking a page from Marvel's book. Like, it's hard to believe this movie exists in the Batman versus Superman universe. Which it probably does just by name alone. I liked how the, um, what's the guy called? Black Mantis? Manta. Manta? Yeah. I liked how he was, uh, I don't know, they did it really well where he was relevant, but also irrelevant. I think that, I think they could have made a movie, I think they could have made him the main villain. But the way that they did it works well because now he's still alive and he can come back. set him up for the sequel, I guess. Right, yeah. He can come back as a bigger villain. Because in this one, he was just a pawn, basically. But now that there's no one to use him as a pawn, he can take full revenge in the way that he wants. I liked it. I, I forgot about him. But then there's the like one of the end credit scenes, or one of the last scenes, 
is him being found um, in the ocean um, by a scientist, right? I think I missed, My memory's a little foggy. Was that an end credit scene? I don't remember. <laughs> Full disclosure, I, I, was, I just saw a really late showing of Aquaman and fell asleep towards the end. So the ending's <laughs> kind of blurred together. But, yeah, no, he gets thrown off a cliff, and then you don't see him for a while, and you kind of forget about him, but then he comes back. Like, you think he's dead, I guess. I thought he was dead. Um, and at that point, I was like, wow, that was kind of pointless. But then he comes back. He gets rescued. His technology gets upgraded. Uh, it works. It's good. Oh, anything else you thought was similar to a Marvel movie, Joe? Yes. Uh, we talked about Black Panther and Thor. Uh, Mira... Basically Black Widow, but underwater. But she had superpowers. With superpowers. But she served the same role Black Widow did in uh, Captain America's Winter Soldier. She was, you know, she was Black Widow. She was helping the main character. If Jason Momoa, if Aquaman was Captain America, like, going against the system, she was his Black Widow. (laughs) Helping him to hide and be a fugitive and take down the system. What else? There was Star Wars... Which is Marvel now. Um, I think you're reaching. No, no. There was that one scene in, I don't know, Greece, wherever they were. They were running on the rooftops. She was running in a straight line and they couldn't hit her. And it went on for like 20 minutes, I swear, the scene where they just could not hit her. When it should have been so easy because she was running in a straight line on the rooftops. Well, their weapons are probably designed to be used underwater and they don't work as well on land. Well, stormtroopers. I'm saying it reasons. relates to Star Wars. Stormtroopers. What else about the movie? What was something I was thinking of? Um, I mean, there's the William Defoe connection that he was Green Goblin. Mm-hmm. That was good. Yeah. Switching sides a little bit. <laughs> uh, I don't know, Joe, anything else you want to say about uh, Aquaman? Just closing off. Um, so where would you rank Aquaman in sort of the year's superhero movies? Like, does it fall behind every Marvel movie? No, not every Marvel movie. It had really good visual effects. Visual like, effects are really good. They definitely knew what they were doing with this movie. Um, a lot of pra- felt like they where they could they used practical effects too. Yeah, I think. I mean, on principle, this is a Marvel podcast, so I'm still gonna say it's behind Infinity War, even though that was really low on my list. But it, I think it ranked above Deadpool two, and um, Venom because I never saw Venom. I'll agree with you there. I'd say it falls behind um, the MCU movies, but yeah, it's definitely, um, yeah, I, I would put it above Deadpool 2 and um, and put it way above Venom. Screw Venom. Just on principle, I still have to say that Black Panther into the Spider-Verse and Ant-Man and the Wasp, but I still like those better. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like Aquaman still wasn't an original plotline, but I didn't care. I liked it. Jason Momoa's fun. It's just good to go to a DC movie and have fun. Oh, also, did you notice all the totally random explosions? It kind of got annoying. I mean, it was it got funny. It got comical. Random explosions are just a staple of Hollywood, Joe. But no, it, they used it as a transition point. There'd be an awkward silence where they just realized something, and then a statue would explode next, next to them, and then that's how they'd get into the next scene. That's how they would transition. It got a little old, but not an annoying old. It was just like, oh, here we go again. This is funny now. <laughs> Those crazy blow, those like, crazy exploding statues. Yeah, literally, it was something always exploded. <sighs> uh, all right, well. Yeah, we gotta wrap Aquaman. up. Yeah, 
Let's bring it back over to the MCU. Just whoosh. Yeah. Just jump dimensions there. We did. That's what it sounds like when you jump dimensions. Fun fact. Yeah. That exact same sound effect was in Into the Spider-Verse. It's canon now. It was It's it canon was now in the Marvel Therapy Group universe. Yeah. That Sony just came to Jack and was like, we need a sound effect for changing universes. And Jack went like, whoosh. They're like, brilliant. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Let us know if you hear that in the movie. But yeah. Anyway, thanks for tuning in again. Yeah. And if you like our podcast, if you feel so inclined, make a post about us with the hashtag Marvel Therapy Group. Send it to us. We'll repost it for you. Like us. Uh, rate us. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, drop a review in the comments section. We'd love to hear your thoughts. We'd love to hear what we're doing right, what we could be doing better, uh, stuff you'd want us to talk about. You know, we want we want to hear from you. This is this is our therapy group. <laughs> we just We just run it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Until next time. True believers. Thank you for tuning in to this week's Marvel Therapy Group, where together we can work through our comic thoughts and learn to live beside them. Views expressed are of the host only and do not reflect Marvel Studios or comics in any way. Hosts are in no way qualified to provide therapy. This is simply the name of the podcast. This has been another Marvel Therapy Group session.